0: Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikov, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week, we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. (music) All righty, well, welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Alora Testikoff from Firebird Summit. Hey, pal.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. I am happy to be here. I'm so blessed.
0: <laughs> I love your shirt, man. Seriously, love it. That's awesome. Okay, so you know, it's funny. So, you know, every once in a while, like we come to these sh- these episodes and One of us has an idea, like what I think we're going to do, but in our like quick chat before we get started, like something else sparks and you just did that to me, pal. So here's the thing I have, and I know you do too. It's a, it's like a kind of a personal presence issue and you and I both have it. And we don't necessarily always convey it in a way that everyone always sees, but when we do, people don't miss it. And so you were just telling me a story a few minutes ago that I'm gonna have you recap, but I'm gonna tie it back to something that someone else said to me earlier this week. So I have, I have a project going on with a client and one of the people I have on my team working on it is like telling me about, you know he's recapping some meetings that he had and he says, oh I was talking to my wife and and I'm talking about like the client and she's just like she owns this shit and she like she's completely like crushing it and his wife looks at him and says oh she's a Laura (laughs) who by the way he has worked for me many times over the years like we have a long like we've been working together off and on for 15 years and um and he's like oh Yeah, actually, the client is exactly Laura. Now, ironically, the reason we're working with this client is because she and I have been friends for a very long time. We're in the same space. We've had like ongoing, like back and forth. She and I are, she is one of the few people that I've met throughout my career who I'm like, oh no, she is legitimately a peer. There are so many things that we don't have in common, but there are some really critical, important things that we do. And when Professionally speaking, either one of us hits the point where like, you know, I need a certain like expertise, that's where I go. And so what's really interesting to me is like, and I know this is a thing for you too, because you've talked, we've talked about it before, is that we both kind of just like hit this like, well, I am who I am sort of thing, and we don't think about it. And then someone else is like, dude, that's like hardcore badass, and I'm like, I don't know what I just did, but it like disrupted what I thought we were doing, right? Because like someone else had this perception of what I was bringing to the table or how I was going to engage, and it, it had an impact. So you were just telling me a story about how like this this woman that you're dealing with, you're like, oh yeah, she reminds me of you, but she kind of like. Stop the moment because she spoke up in a way that changed the course of a conversation. And so I want to talk about personal power and especially when you have more than you consciously recognize. Because I think that's a very hard thing for leaders to rein in because one of the hardest things to be fair in a leadership role is sometimes your real job is to shut the hell up and to let other people germinate ideas. Now, the balancing act is that sometimes the people who are following you are following you because you are like a great, inspiring, motivating source. So when you have this balancing act that you're trying to to navigate, it's very, very complicated. So can you talk to me about what you were saying with this this conversation you're having? They just like completely kicked off this whole, oh no, I recognize that. That looks like a Laura kind of moment. Cause it's yep. just so it's it's the thing I hear about the most, but mm. it's the thing that's the most difficult for me to consciously acknowledge and recognize in any kind of repeatable way or in a way to help other people.
1: Yeah. So I I think um so the story the story was, you know, this this amazing um young professional um who uh, just this rock star female is she sits in she sits in meetings and she sits in these rooms and she was just describing, you know, this last time that she sat in a space and how this time there was some awareness around the room got quiet. And then the room was like, holy crap, why did not you speak up earlier? Like when she did speak and it, it, I liken it to um <laughs> Like, like you being the, the the most famous person in your family kind of thing. It's like, ah, you know, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm local famous, right? But it's like, but you're the most famous person in our room. And, and so when you don't identify your own personal power, whether it's humility or or other things like that, and, and again, people in those spaces, it wasn't that she didn't want to speak up. It was just like, ah, I'm going to pick my spot. And and when she did, it was like the most profound thing that could have happened to every leader in the room. Um, and, and I love that you introduced kind of the the Malcolm um, Goldsmith part of like it's not it's not a fair fair fight when a CEO speaks, and that goes to certain conversations, in certain rooms as the leader say, hey, to keep creativity, innovation, and all that stuff uh, churning, um, you know, you you kind of wait to speak, but. For this professional, the thing that came up for me and the thing that I compared her to you is, is that, oh, you're, you're not waiting for permission from anybody to speak. You're just making sure that you're not going to dampen anything that's happening in the room because you know when you do speak, there's so much value. There's so much there for, for some people to unpack. Um, and, and even in this exchange, and you talk about that personal power of people understanding what it is, uh, to be conscious about the words that you use and, and to be conscious that um, it can be intimidating sometimes. I, I know I'm, I'm, I was guilty of, of trying to quiet my voice um, because I am a huge observer of people um, and watching people's reaction when I speak, um, that they they would almost take Uh, this oh god here we go like the moment like it was like all all the turns are over after he speaks and i was like and i rarely was in charge of a room um but when i did i was like oh this i see it i see it differently and i think that's what happens a lot of time with personal power is we because we aren't used to being in spaces with other amazing people or allowing others to be their version of amazing um then then we kind of uh ball up in the moment um, and allow our voices to be quieted based on us trying to assess assess value of our voice. And, and I think that can be a very damaging, and again, we talked about mindset, we talked about all of those things, but finding that personal power, particularly in that space, um, and this, just that understanding that she found for herself was was such an amazing kind of moment for her. It was just like, huh, they actually are listening. <laughs> to, to the things coming out of my mouth and so that was, it was an amazing moment I was like I thought of you I was like I'm you
0: <laughs> Well that's i'm I'm, I'm delighted that that's true but I'm actually interested in the corollary. so for you personally, can you think of a time where you realized after it was over probably but where you're like oh damn I had more power there than I understood in the moment and I probably, Steamrolled, or stopped, or kind of like obstructed what was happening because I inadvertently superimposed my own power into that situation.
1: Oh, I, I 100% have the last conversation. Uh, one of the last conversations in my last corporate job, um, where they were they were trying to make a decision around, and you know how strongly I feel about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion um, topics and they were going down this route of making a decision point. And and I was very, very um, animated and strong in my disapproval of of a certain thing. And And this was one of those moments where I knew the weight of what I was saying, but I made a conscious, I don't care choice to just lay that bomb in the middle of the room and literally shut the conversation down it literally like in it was it was senior leaders involved it was senior people involved and it just kind of sucked the air right out of the room and looking back at it it was super heavy-handed it, it so could have been handled better with care and I, I but I think what led to that emotional it was it was emotional for me um because I was already transitioning and I had thoughts about that and it was the unknown I was walking into. So it was a lot tied up into it, but really I could have did better. I could have did so much better as it pertains to caring for those involved in that conversation, because I can recall, I can't recall many, it may have been one person that said something after me, but then it was kind of all like next agenda item. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay, can you remember a time can you think of a time when you did it and didn't like so that's there there's a conscious moment oh, yeah. there's, there's a there's an emotional disconnect from like eh screw it i'm all in like yeah. my decision whatever but but can you think of a moment when you did it where it wasn't until after you look back and you're like oh man i i dropped the mic in that moment and yeah. i did not I didn't plan to, I didn't mean to, I didn't realize I did until it was yeah. too late and I couldn't walk it back.
1: So have you ever, um, have you ever like had a speech or a talk or something that you like wrote out and then something happened and you like, you rewrote it emotionally? You ever had that moment happen to you?
0: No, cause I never write stuff in advance. Okay, I am right. like queen of like on the fly stuff. And my yeah. biggest problem is actually the opposite in that. I'll, I'll riff and I'll be like on point. Yeah. And then someone will be like, Oh wait, can you back up just a little bit and repeat that? I'm like, I can't repeat it because I have no idea what I just said. Like I was like in the zone and it was yeah. out of my mouth. And now I couldn't repeat it with a gun to my head. Cause I have no idea what I just said.
1: So my unconscious moment was all script. So young captain, Change in command. I got wind of uh, some atrocities, um, and I was super dramatic. And I I rewrote my going away speech the night before, and I ruminated all night. And my wife is like giving me the recount after, and it's like it's probably one of, probably one of the moments that she described like a level of disappointment. because, Alora, when I say it was probably one of the worst written speeches I did, like I like wrote out statistics, like I wrote out, like it was so bad. Um, and I, and That's as also I was, so
0: not your style. Like, I know. Uh, statistics. It Dude, was like I like, like throw in like the random stat to make no. a point, but I've never once heard you pull on a uh, stat ever.
1: Oh, I'm talking about pull out, I pulled out stats to speak to how they were so dumb, like, and it was the leaders who were like in attendance of this thing, and it was like, and my soldiers are. Oh,
0: so you're using stats to, we're using stats, which is already an uncomfortable paradigm for you, to bludgeon your own audience? Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the moment, oh, that's a double whammy. This is why I love when your wife gives you feedback because oh. your wife gives you the most honest feedback of like anybody ever. Like and it's awesome, gave and, it like, to I want me. to send her flowers on Princess.
1: <laughs> but it was it was so bad that after the ceremony was over, like the the leader who was in the audience, like they wanted to talk to me, like that's how bad it was. And
0: yeah, I want to talk about your talk. Yeah. That, that good feedback.
1: That that was and I was like in in my mind, I was like, and, and you know me, like I'm never an apology person. I'm just like, it was calculated. I did it. It came out. But as I as 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 Dupree was talking to me, I was just like, golly, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Oh, God, that was bad. Like, what it burn bridges? Nah. I blew that sucker off its family. Well, and again, right? Like <laughs> it
0: gets back to what yeah. we were referencing before, right? It's one thing if you're in a moment and you're like, you Push know what? Way. It's time to burn this baby up, versus something where you're like, oh, I'm just gonna sit my piece. And then later like, oh wow, I need to light the match on that particular gas can of gasoline. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like there are times and places where making that choice. Yep. There are reasons to do that. And if there's value potentially yeah, in doing it. But like, <laughs> that, if you got it, like you have to make the distinction between yep. am I, making a choice and I am prepared to live with the consequences, right? It's like the the eternal first amendment argument, right? It is. There's a difference between having the legal right to say something and then suffering the consequences of not getting a job or like the first amendment doesn't protect you from someone. Hey, you're an asshole and I'm not going to do anything to bring you into my company or to hire you.
1: Well, that was the thing.
0: There's a difference. So... You have to be prepared. and I wasn't. that's not That's, yeah, okay. That's and awesome. I
1: totally wasn't. Like, it was just like, I'm going to get this out. Like, that's literally all I was thinking. Like, I got to get this out.
0: That's when it's therapy. That's when you turn a public speaking event into <laughs> a therapy session we dealt with for four years of Trump. Like seriously, he just goes out in front of the cameras and turns like his little press conference into his own personal therapy session, which is bad for everyone around. And honestly, I think this might be one of the best lessons that like all of us individuals could learn from four years of that whack job is, you know what? Do not inflict your own personal therapy session on other people. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, it's not fair. It's not reasonable. And I guarantee you, I ain't gonna get you good, any kind of results that are gonna mm-hmm. help you in any meaningful way. So what happened? So Dupree was giving you was giving you feedback, and then you got, you got asked for a talk.
1: Oh my gosh! So, so first of all, so the aftermath that I I I didn't quite think out. Um, got called into you know senior leader like what was my old office? I get called into, um, and I'm standing there and my phone is like blowing up in my pocket um but for, and, and later I find out it was my soldiers worried about him um more more than worried about me but they were calling my wife to tell her to come get me um because we had drew, drove two separate cars that day uh, for the ceremony and like when I finally got the opportunity to talk to her like just just the level of regret that I had um of not not thinking through like you said to to not think about the ramifications right like I really in that moment they had enough ammunition to like pull up uniform code of military justice and like like roll me like they had it like they had like I scripted it
0: like I wrote
1: it (laughs) and it just the level
0: there was no there was no getting your way out of that one there was
1: no and I was so glad this is 2009, so this is before people post videos to YouTube, and it, like I'm so glad it was not today, because that might been that might have been live on Facebook,
0: and there would have been a, a dishonorable discharge waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a that's actually I think an awesome example, right? Because yeah. I think people really, you know, so I remember one time. And it's funny because I kind of think of this when I think of it, but I had someone, it was while I was living in Austin, um, someone that I was working with was talking to me and I made a comment about being an atheist. And he kind of looked at me and he said, That's interesting. And I, I'm like, why is that interesting like it's not a big surprise to me because that's normal for me especially after catholic school man i went to catholic high school and catholic college if there's anything that's going to turn you into an atheist it's probably that um but anyway like he says to me he says something really interesting to me he said you have so much personal power it interests me that you would be an atheist because i would think you would be curious about where that would come from and to me that like That's sort of a non sequitur in my brain because I don't think my personal, my sense of personal power is necessarily has any like divine connection in any way. But what was interesting was it reminded me of a comment that I had from a former boss who was like one of the bosses I most respected that I've ever had. And she commented that I had a knack for inspiring confidence and it didn't matter what situation I was put in, give me a little bit of time to get like my arms around something. And then I could go out and present to anybody about what the situation was. And I've, you know, a client that I work with now all the time was just telling me this on Friday when we met was, you know what, I've hired all these other people. They're really great at their level, but what they do not have is the executive gravitas to go take this to the board, to the leadership team. That's what I need you to do. And it's one of those things that when I was I had in a very unrefined form when I was younger, but I didn't fully appreciate, A, that I had it, and B, that that was rare, and C, that I needed to cultivate that if I wanted to do the kind of work that I I ultimately found found myself um, enjoying more, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff I can do that I really wanna do, but like the stuff that I enjoy the most is mostly that. It's taking conceptual stuff, hard to understand stuff, technically esoteric stuff, and then packaging it in a way that is understandable and palatable to an audience that wouldn't necessarily have any interest in what we're talking about. And so what I gradually began to understand was I had to be much more conscientious about sort of the personal power I was expending in a moment or in a meeting or in a conversation than I ever understood when I was in my 20s and even in my 30s. And it's been interesting for me to gauge this because I I, I kind of liken it to using spice when you're cooking is that, you know, the right amount is actually really important and you can overdo it and you can underdo it. But you kind of have to experiment a little bit before you start to figure out what the right like sweet spot is and you have to be really clear about the consequences so your point is like totally fair about the overdoing it right you can go all in on something that guess what going on all in actually going to help you out and so for me the personal power thing is a very interesting conversation and i've noticed especially in coaching scenarios, right? Well, coaching and and managing both in both models, right? Like you'll meet somebody and you're like, holy crap, this person does not have the first understanding of how much personal power they truly have, what their charisma is, what their gravitas actually conveys and they are misusing that power in the moment or they are just simply not applying it and for me one of the most interesting things to work through with a client or a direct report because i've I've had a couple of of people who work for me who the same fall in the same category is do you understand how and, and it could be anything right it could be confidence inspiring it could be just reassuring and calming right how many people do we rely on to be just that calm voice among chaos, right? One of the things that um, it's a great book on executive presence that I love, but one of the things he talks about is that one of the critical components of phenomenal executive presence is being the calm in the storm, not getting emotional, not getting worked up. And so when I think about like personal power and harnessing it and channeling it and understanding how to manage it and understanding when to keep it off the table, because it's going to disrupt to your point about, you know, as soon as she says something like the conversation stops. Now, sometimes that's good. And sometimes you want that other times that's actually getting in the way. And so understanding how to manage this. Again, this is one of those things that I love much more in my forties than I understood in my twenties not have any understanding of it in my 20s is that there's a time and a place and there's a balancing act that we do for this stuff that is really valuable and we can harness in a really really helpful way versus just sort of like spraying it out there and finding ourselves completely screwed because we're paying a price we were not prepared for.
1: And I, and I think now today, one of the biggest um, the biggest gifts um, that I have in those moments were just the feedback, right? That the, the feedback from others um, and putting myself in position to grow from it, right? Because like you said, there can be those times like, do you understand the consequences? And, or do you understand of, of going all the way or not going far enough? or not speaking up at all. And the, understanding the, the range fan of response um, in, as it pertains to personal power. And it could be just as damaging um, or, or damning not saying anything, right? But understanding what it looks like, right? In the, in the moment of what what you're trying to convey. And I think I have those moments too where I thought my silence was helpful but my body told on me.
0: Oh, poker face! Oh my God, wow. that—that's actually been one of the hardest things for me. I had a situation a couple weeks ago, actually, where I was in a meeting, and someone was saying something that I was offended by and infuriated by. And I thought I was doing a really good job of keeping a poker face. And after that meeting, I had two other people come back to me and say, "Wow, you." impressively, you kept your shit together really, really well, but I could tell you were not happy. And the thing is, is that like, to me, that's one of the things that's gotten really more useful about understanding as I've gotten older, is that A, chica ain't as good as an actor as you think you are. So don't like it, like if you really have to like step away, step away. But I think to your point, also the other piece of that is other people will follow your lead. And especially when you're in a leadership role, you have to be very careful about Saying, okay, look, this is a battle I'm going to fight. This is a battle I'm not. And it's like your example earlier, right? When you, when you knew you were on your way out, you knew you were unhappy with how things were going in that meeting, and you just dropped the bomb and ended the conversation. It's like if there was someone who was following you in that meeting who was going to stay in the organization after you left, that probably wouldn't have helped them out all that much. Like you probably set them up in a direction that, that would have been more combative than necessary. Now you were on your way out, so it might not matter, but you have to also keep in mind that part of what you're doing is setting an example. And sometimes the best example is I'm going to wait, I'm going to listen. I might go find a punching bag before I come back and actually give my input on anything but I also have to remember that I'm probably not if I'm really upset with what's going on I'm probably not hiding it as well as I think I am no matter how much I am convinced I am a really great actor
1: yeah and I and I I love that you said that particularly around just levels of awareness about the people who are watching right and, and again we talk about leadership and, and there may still be folks who are thinking positional um i got the title and people are i got direct reports but know the level of influence that a, that a person has and i knew in that organization how strong my voice was and to your point i'm so grateful that there was no one else who, who desired to die on the hill that, that I had created, um, in that moment. And, and they, they kept their composure. Like they were just like, okay. Um, and, and I think, and I liken it to that group was put together very thoughtfully. Um, and, and there were people who could keep their stuff together, um, in a conversation that got, Uh, potentially contentious and different things like that because it was it was a kind of a council if you will um and, and and i think for a lot of people just understanding um of how people are experiencing you how they see you um leads us back to um understanding that perceived power and then perceived versus actual um and you getting that actual feedback because if i would have did that same thing in an open forum total different conversation would have been had
0: right so that's another really really important thing and again i'm not sure that there's a lot of ways to understand this until without experience, right? Sometimes you say something and you're like, wow, that had a bigger impact than I thought it did. Or you say something, and you're like, wow, I thought that was gonna have a big impact and <laughs> it had none whatsoever. And you know, there's so much about that that's situational, right? It's it's you, it's the topic, it's the audience, it's the circumstance. Like there's so much that's very, very fluid around that. And you can't, you know, you can never always predict how that's going to go. But I think with experience and practice, I mean, you stick your foot in your mouth enough times, you start to discover what shoe leather tastes like and you understand when it's worth taking on versus when maybe not so much. But, you know, for me, the thing that's been really helpful and it's been, honestly, it's one of my favorite things about coaching is to watch other people have that moment where they start realizing, wow, I, I, I actually have enough credibility with these people that I have a degree of personal power, and and sometimes it can be like, um, you know, I, I love I actually love like using Dr. Fauci as an example, right? Because you know you listen to him talk, and he's got this like very sort of Brooklyn accent, which isn't necessarily like inspire you with confidence. But the thing is that you listen to what he says, and he's such a deep subject matter expert in what he does that he establishes credibility, and that, and to me that's actually one of the really important lessons you have to learn, right? Because some people just have this like great degree of personal gravitas. I would actually probably put Barack Obama in that category, right? He's just got presence. Um, I might even put Michelle Obama in in an even better category, right? Because she's got presence, she's got this grace and you kind of just can't not, and a lot of charisma, you kind of can't not pay attention even when she doesn't really wanna be the center of attention. And it's just about her personal presence. Whereas you have someone like Dr. Fauci and he's just a really deep subject matter expert. And once he starts talking, once you start asking questions and you start hearing his answers, you can't, like, none of the rest of us know anywhere near as much about his topic as he does. So you would never think to argue with that as long as you actually are someone who respects like knowledge and practice and everything else. But the reality of that is, is that those sources of power come from different completely different places and I think that one of the things that happens as we get older is we become deeper and deeper subject matter experts in something right what what, whatever it is uh, because we just spend time in it but then there's the the personal piece and I think the two work together in a way, and at different points in time and in different circumstances, one one side of that equation might be stronger or have more weight than the other. But I think the thing that becomes really important, especially as we get older, especially as we have become real experts in something just by having virtue of having spent enough time in it, that you want to make sure that you're not undermining one for the sake of the other. Right? I think that the really hard thing, um, and again, I want to use a political example, but the reality is, is that like, you can take a Dr. Fauci, right, who spent 30 years in like, you know, whatever, 25,000 presidential administrations in this role where he's gone through one after another, after another. And so he's, he's got this like super deep technical expertise, but he, and I think he's been a really great example about this is like, he never, you know, in the face of like a crazy administration that didn't, about science, he never lost his temper. He never undermined it by throwing a temper tantrum or by getting like grumpy about something or, or or punish trying to punish someone else. Right? Like you have to balance that personal presence and that personal integrity component with that subject matter expertise in a way that actually helps you maximize what you need to get out of the moment.
1: Yeah. I, I love, I love that, that you, there's something to, um, and it's, it's funny over the last month, I've been running to a lot of people that have been uh, NLP practitioners, that neuro-linguistic uh, practice. Yeah. And, and so I've been running into these people and, and, and being a student of language in, and, in and word and, and how, and, and it really goes to, Something that we do as coaches, and the why, why am I talking? Right. And being conscious about when I do speak, have you calculated to a certain extent the potential outcomes? And are you okay with them? And, and just in that, that being the full circle thing that we keep coming back to is do you understand the ripples of your words? And really being mindful about them. And and I really believe um, President Obama was was a a really good example during his presidency of how like I I, like I could see him and his speech writers in them having sitting in a room together and just going through how is this going to land, right, you have all these Americans that are going to be watching this thing. And I know, based on my last speech, this side of America heard it this way. This side of America was like, like but where's that middle? Where's the think, message that...
0: I think you mentioned that, because I was just listening to one of the most recent episodes yeah. of Pods of America, which is with his former speechwriters, yeah. and they were talking about how Obama kept, for the longest time, wanting to talk about the smart grid. And the speechwriters kept saying, Americans don't... like enough people don't understand what that means. And of course now in light of like what happened in Texas last week and everything else, like the smart grid is back to being a big conversation, but, yep. but like I was like trying to talk about this for years and his speechwriters kept coming back to him, like nobody understands what you're talking about. And he was, he was so passionate about why this was important, but his speechwriters kept kind of trying to combat him back to you, you're talking over here and most people are over here you we have to come back Mm -hmm. something everybody understands there has to be a common language Mm -hmm. yeah so hard and it's
1: it and and that's why I say you you just there comes the point where you just have to be okay with your message and and I never forget it and it happened um in my TEDx and the the organizer Greg I never and, and it was probably the Probably the best thing that could have been said to me that day. Um, and, and to all of us presenters, he says, Your message is your message. If you deliver it and the context within your heart makes sense, it'll land where it's supposed to land. And I was like, He said, It's your idea worth spreading, not Ted's idea. Or anybody else it's your idea worth spreading. We said yes to you coming here and sharing. This is your idea that you believe is worth spreading, so spread it.
0: But here, but here's the here's the counterpoint. I would say to that is mm-hmm. that that is very true of someone who has practiced their message one hundred percent off. Is isn't functioning off the cuff. Yep. You how many? I mean, you. I was I, I was there time. while you were practicing for that TEDx. Software. Yeah. We were through that I, that whole process. You got lots of feedback. They yep. they walked you through step by yep. step how you were going to prep for it. Yeah, talk is great. I love it. But at the end of the day, that was not you on the fly in a meeting, pissed yep. off about something, and then saying "screw you." I've already given my notice, so I'm going to say what I'm going to say. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that moment in time, and the reason why I bring that up is because that preparation made me more conscious of the words I use. And oh. I think, it. And, and so I literally that day, and w- even in that last meeting, and why that that example came so quickly to me is because, and, and, and the reason why you had to ask me again, what was the last time you ever had an unconscious response to something? It's because since 2018, when I had that TEDx opportunity, everything has been a conscious conversation for me. And, and everything has been intentional that's come out of my mouth. And I've been very thoughtful about it, even in anger. Even in anger, it's been, I'm just going to let this egg drop. Like, I'm just like, you're going you to get this smoke. Like, that's like.
0: And this brings us back to a consistent theme that we always come yep. back to. One of my biggest ones, which is the value of language. There Putting language to something. Understanding the word. Yep. It's funny actually I started reading a new book and I'm just I'm in love with how the author is crafting like just his language craft is phenomenal Mm -hmm. and there are not that many people that I know who truly appreciate that so one of my best friends I sent him a text last night I'm like oh my god have you have you like read this book because he's an avid reader but he was a rhetoric major like in like in Uh, politics was a rhetoric major so like his love is the use of language for the purpose of point in an argument and so he's like one of the only people I know who when I am reading a book and I'm like oh my god this author just had the most fantastic like turn of phrase or the most evocative imagery or like He's the person I go to. I'm like, oh my God, have you read this? And it's funny because he wrote me back. He's like, he goes, no, I haven't read it yet. But I have a fr- another friend who recommended it and said it was amazing. I'm like, I just, I don't know who else would appreciate how just phenomenal the language craft mm-hmm. it is. And yet I feel like it's such an underappreciated skill, but I feel like it's so unbelievably valuable
1: 100
0: and so it's just it's constantly that, thing that keeps coming up because the right language that expresses what we want to say that doesn't say more than we want like it's like the balancing act and it's one of those places where especially growing up in a, a trilingual household like for me in many respects like English is kind of the most limited of the languages I grew up in, right? I grew up in a household that spoke Russian, Spanish, and English, which are especially Russian is like the outlier there. But like the the linguistic kind of culture around it are so different. And so I grew up with a very finely tuned appreciation of like both the strengths and the weaknesses of any given language and and what goes with that. And so I'm I feel like sometimes that makes me more overly sensitive to kind of like the, the use of the right word or anything exactly. else. But it's like I was saying earlier, you know, sometimes like, and I'll do this a lot in like brainstorming sessions where I'm like, oh no, I think, but I didn't want to do this. And this is the communication. But I just go on like this long rip and other people are trying to capture notes and they're like, oh, that was great, great. Can you repeat that? And I get to the end and I'm like, I, I can't, I can't actually repeat that. Because I have no idea what I said, because in the moment I was so like in the flow in the moment, I can't actively choose a point in time to go back to because it was so organic in that way. But the thing that, that always comes back to me is that that is fundamentally always part of what other people tell me is. My good power in the moment is my use of language and how I can use it. And it's like, it's one of those places where, again, I never thought about it, planned. It was just kind of the thing I grew up with, but I never about it as a source of power how do you use language how do you how do you express yourself how do you talk to someone how do you listen to someone in an active way which is something i never learned to do until with your coaching training um, like all of those things come back together and it's it's a very different view of what constitutes personal power in any given moment but I think it's actually, it still ties back to the stuff that we always keep coming back to because there are also many, in many respects, very learned skills. And I think this is the thing that, you know, we come back to a lot is we have this like basic nurture versus nature thing. At the end of the day, I think so much of, all right like from a nurture perspective I can't do anything about the fact that I grew up in a household that spoke three languages that's like just I thought that was normal until I was 12 years old I thought everybody did that like I didn't think that was abnormal in any way but having said that like then there's the nurture piece like I have continued to be interested in what are the limitations of English what are the like what are the cultural connotations that go with a lot of the Russian language because there's a lot there. Like there are things there that actually, once I started understanding more, made it a lot easier for me to stand in front of a room full of people, especially in my world, in my in my tech world, like white men, not at all in like, in like I was always the only woman. It's so like, how do I go in front of this group of people and make a case that they need to spend, you know, 12 million dollars or they need to go buy this thing or do all these like big changes that they're not comfortable with and how do I use language to actually help them get comfortable making a decision that I think is best for the organization and that comes to this whole question of power how do you convey that and how do you how do you know when to use it and when to not
1: I, I think it's um it's like anything else right you just if you don't give yourself the opportunity to practice and, and to collect data, um, then then you'll always fumble through it. And and I think these these moments of intentionality and um, and I thank you for opening up the podcast space, right? And and as we first thought about this last spring um, to to partner and start doing this, it was we were just talking. And and finding our way and, and the banter and it just it made sense to us, but but it was just the fine tuning of message and 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 you just you pick um, and and create these opportunities for yourself to get better at it um, is is really where I found myself and how today it's as a speaker as a coach and as anybody you just you you get you just do right it's the, I go back to the book and one of one of a, a peer of mine that that intro, first introduced me to the book the knowing doing gap. And in, in how this book talked about all these organizations who would bring in year after year, consultant, get reports and all this stuff, and then it would go on a shelf. And then they bring in the next consultant. The next consultant would actually find the report from the previous year. And they were yeah, like. I
0: just try it out and try a new version. Trust like, me. A, as a consultant, I've done it. And as a oh, company side, I've been on the receiving end. So more times than I can count. Yeah.
1: but it, But learning your power is the same way it's you have to you have to know and you can't collect data on it if, if you don't just put yourself out there and use it um or as a leader was the last time you actually asked somebody of how they experienced you in a meeting or anything like that because i've been in those places where i never got the data i i now i watched people cringe yep but because there was well, no follow-on also, conversation i didn't know that's
0: so, that's that's a hard question to ask greg especially right? yeah yeah okay so as we're wrapping (laughs) up here's my question Uh, and i'll answer i'll give you mine you give me yours i got you your most embarrassing story about after the fact holy shit i blew that i had more power there than i realized and i totally dropped i i messed that one up
1: uh mine is a um so you think the church, um, it was a decision point uh, around a group uh, and direction that we were actually going to take a program. And I was so in my feelings about what had been shared up to that point that I just stayed quiet. And not only did I stay quiet, but I kind of I was putting off this vibe that nobody else speak either and i got that feedback after that me not speaking shut everybody else down that's and, exactly
0: the opposite of what normally happens
1: and t- totally opposite it but it was it was the energy i was omitting like i was it was coming off of me and they were just like dude you shut everybody down and i was like but i didn't say nothing he was like yeah that's 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 the point it was like we were looking to you to be the expert voice, and you didn't say anything, and I was just like, "I'm oh, sorry."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that. It's so funny, but okay.
1: Yeah, but it it totally in that moment, like I felt so bad, like because it was it was a leader development program, like oh, it was my vibe, like it was my thing, but. I was like, I thought they had already, like the way they were communicating, they had already made a decision. They was like, no, you totally read the room wrong. It was like, they had made a decision. And like, you were the, like, you were the smoking gun. Like you were the one that was supposed to come off the top rope with the elbow, like, like get it, like push it over the goal line. And I didn't, I just like stalled at the one yard line and everybody else did too, because they were looking at me. I dropped, totally dropped the ball. So what's yours?
0: Okay, so mine was actually this company meeting. It's about the two and a half years ago. Um, it, me and the rest of the VPs who are part of the leadership team were doing like a this kind of like big. We didn't have a big kind of like town hall meeting very often, um, mostly because we we're a geographically distributed team. Everybody was in town though. We kind of we did a big meeting, and um, one of the realities of our situation was um, the small startup startup that, that I was part of had been acquired by a larger company. Now I had only been hired by the larger company to come in as we're kind of integrating everything else. And I remember, um, I remember standing up there with the other VPs and we were talking about kind of like part of this integration process, right? It's always hard to take this like, like very agile thinking startup culture into, you know, a massive, like big, entity that intends to go public and has like a lot of people looking at everything you do and i remember um we prepared for it I mean, the other vps were really good they were like some of my favorite human beings on the planet so like i love them and trusted them and a ton and so we'd all worked very much on the content but i had come in from a client it was the meeting was on a friday i came in like really late thursday night so we didn't have a chance to practice before our meeting, first thing Friday morning. Friday around lunchtime, after the meeting happened, we had everybody like, I don't know, 120 people or so in the room. We've kind of done our thing. And afterwards, one of the members of my team came in and said, okay, well, so here's what I've collected so far. Um, so-and-so said this, this, and this, which kind of rubbed people the wrong way. So-and-so said this, this, and this, which rubbed people the wrong way. And you said this, this, and this, which really rubbed people the wrong way. And I was like, crap, I don't even remember saying. And, And in hindsight, as I was like trying to reconstruct what I said, I realized that I was trying to make a point and I hadn't gotten all the way there, right? Like I had, I had started to kind of go through the path of getting to the point, which I think if I had gotten to, probably would have been okay, but I didn't make it all the way there. And it was was really good feedback in that I kind of unintentionally alienated a whole bunch of people I didn't mean to. But at the same time, it also was a really good lesson for me that maybe practice a little bit more. Um, And make sure that you're Asking for that feedback because I actually didn't ask for feedback. To be fair, like she came, she came into my office and was like, "Okay, just letting you know, this is kind of the buzz I'm hearing around around everything," which I hadn't requested. And to be fair, I probably wouldn't have requested it. It didn't occur to me, not because I didn't want it, because actually it was useful. Um, but it wouldn't have occurred to me to go out and ask for it. And I wouldn't have necessarily asked in the right place that was collecting it. Um, but it was one of those moments where I was like, huh, man, I thought I landed it. Like I felt really good after the end of that meeting. And I'm standing in front of 120 people with, you know, my three peers were doing our thing. We're like, you know, it's like the four of us are united front. We're really feeling really good about the message we're presenting. And then I get feedback, like, you know, two hours later, I'm like, oh, wow, crap, that didn't land as well as I was kind of counting on. And it was not something that I had even thought to go soliciting. And that was, for me, the biggest lesson was because I got, I got really good feedback from it. And it was very useful and valuable that I understood how the message I actually got out was differing from the one I had intended. Um, but the reality was I wouldn't have asked. And that was to me, the biggest lesson was ask the goddamn question. Just like, did, did how did it sound? Like what made sense to you? And you have to ask somebody who's not a sycophant which is the other hard thing because the easiest people to ask whether you realize it or not or whether you intend it or not, the ones who are going to give you like the bullshit answer and that's not the one you need
1: yeah this is this is one of those topics you just uh you just got to keep working at it you just got to keep exercising at it and uh no this was a great one today
0: all righty pal well as always i love getting the chance to chat with you so thank Definitely. you so much and that is a wrap for today i'll talk to you uh, next all right time.
1: sounds like all a plan right. see you soon
0: Back to you later. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.